0: Well, hey everyone. Thank you again for listening to literally actually with Siren Haley episode Whatever we are on. We're not really sure. Um, today we have another guest on the show that we are very excited to hear from, Sarah Poole. Uh, Sarah, I am sure since you have probably listened to a few of our episodes, you're most likely expecting us to start with a banter question um, before we get into the rest of the episode. So to start us out, We want to know what is one of your favorite photos you have ever taken?
1: Oh, that's a great question, Haley. What is a favorite photo I've ever taken? So I'm a big hiker, uh, an outdoors person. And I was lucky enough to go to Switzerland um, two years ago, maybe three years ago now. And I have this beautiful shot of uh, myself eating an apple. (laughs) My mom took it actually. So I guess I'm kind of cheating, but I'm I'm sitting on this mountain lake with like the big, huge mountains behind me. And I'm sitting eating an apple with like a hat on and my feet up just life is awesome after a great day of hiking wow. so that's like captures my happy place pretty much
2: that's nice wow <laughs> yeah like every hiker's dream like one of the places to go pretty mm. much
0: it was incredible i can't wait to go back
2: that's great about nice. you haley girl uh
0: so i the first thing that came to mind is i don't know if this is like one of my like favorite photos specifically but i think it's one of like the best photos i've ever taken I found this, um, this, you know, the, those bugs that look exactly like leaves. They like actually have like uh-huh. the leaf pattern in them. So I found one of those bugs and I put it, it was like walking on my finger and I, there was a nice sunset in the background. And so I like, I, however, I used my contrast on my phone to make it so that the, the bug was like completely dark and you could see the background of the. Um, of the sunset behind it, and you could see like all of its like legs and features, like in front of this like beautiful uh, sunset background. Wow. So I think that's one of my favorite photos I've ever taken. Um, kind, of <laughs> <laughs> kind of <Yeah>. by luck, kind of by luck.
2: Yeah, that yeah. sounds really cool. Is it the is is it just the walking stick thing, or is it a different kind of?
0: Oh, like a like a stick bug thing. I think it's yeah. There's I a walk like actual. Thing looks like leaf. it
2: has leaf on oh okay it's like a moth yeah. right and when it folds up it looks like a leaf yeah maybe that's it uh, a... yeah, cool. not yeah really maybe sure you know some outdoors knowledge yeah. I,
1: think. <laughs> I do love bugs that's my, my second yeah. favorite thing
2: wow maybe i should reconsider going to the women in the trades outdoors things with you sarah <laughs> <laughs>
1: I won't make you hold any. I (laughs) hear there's going to be newts. That's my fingers are crossed that we're going to see some newts on our hike on Friday. Oh, wow. Yeah.
2: I feel like people who like bugs know that other people hate bugs and they want (laughs) so bad for other people. They're not like being mean or like horrible. They just want to like show people the beauty in bugs. But people who hate bugs are like, please, I hate them. They're ugly. (laughs) So (laughs) it's like this horrible relationship. But yeah, I would love your bugs, Sarah oh thank you i just found as a kid
1: apparently i collected bugs which i'd forgotten <laughs> so i found like all these little specimens that i'd like saved and labeled with what kind of bug they were and i was like oh, oh yeah. things haven't changed okay
2: cool nice that's cool that's cool yeah it's cool i also liked bugs as a kid and i don't know what happened so mm-hmm.
1: bad bug encounter
2: interesting yeah <laughs> Well, so my photo is, um, I think I have two, actually. Uh, My first and only time in Washington, D.C., the National Mall, it was really cold. It was like 2018 or whatever it was, that winter that was just like one of our coldest record winters in a while, I remember them saying. And I was at Washington, D.C., like area for a conference and the National Mall was like completely frozen. And so the Washington Monument was in the distance and the water just looked like glass because it was so cold and like crisp. Mm. And usually I'm not like a cold liker person, but it was just <laughs> so beautiful. So that was one of my ones. And I think the other one is, um, I went to Oklahoma one time and there were dandelions there. Like I'd never even seen in my life. And they were like this big, like the size of your fist or bigger, oh, wow. the, the fluffy part. Um, and I took a picture of that and I thought it was like very beautiful. So, those are my two. Nice. That's yeah. so cool.
0: We're going to have to like upload these as well, maybe uh, yeah. to our document know. or something. Yeah.
2: Reference Her. the beauty.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, yeah. great. Thanks, Sarah, for participating in, in that with us. Of course. Us.
2: You go. No, you go. Okay. I'm Haley. And I'm Syra. We love learning. We love discovering. And we love talking. Are we experts on literally everything? Absolutely not. But how will we learn if we never start the conversation? So we hope you'll join us for this literal journey. Yeah, okay. Well, Sarah deserves quite a loud shout out for me and Haley. She has promoted our podcast to multiple people, and I am still getting feedback uh, and many people reaching out to me as a result of Sarah's support and encouragement. Sarah is also, uh, just so you know, Sarah is doing um, whatever, like raise the roof hands right now. I'm so So, excited for you guys.
1: uh,
2: (laughs) Sarah is also the leader, if not one of the leaders of SUNY Delhi's Women in the Trades group. In this group, she prioritizes leading women of different trades backgrounds and age groups into activities that are fun and educational. Hiking and kayaking in the pool are among these activities. Some of her personal likes seem to revolve around the realm of the outdoors as well. And I met Sarah very briefly through some friends uh, a few years ago before finding out she was a SUNY Delhi instructor. Actually, I think that's when I found out that you were an instructor. And we have not... We've been in close proximity, but we have not been in direct contact because of different areas of study, but... Haley and I are definitely ready to start crossing paths with Sarah and getting to know her a little bit better. And Sarah, I don't know if you know this, but I recently received two scholarships. And actually, I'm not even sure. if I I recently received three scholarships, and I'm not sure if all three of them, but certainly I think two of them have to do with this podcast and people are finding out of it. Mostly, I feel like in part to you. So... Yeah, some huge thanks to you. I don't even know if you realize like the impact you've already made. That's um,
1: so awesome.
2: Yeah, so. I mean, it's not very me. Very it's totally you guy. guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just
1: a loud mouth. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> oh.
2: Oh, 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 were I'm we? yelling
1: how awesome our students are and how cool these different things are you're doing. So that's like so exciting. Congratulations.
2: Thank you very much. And thank you for yeah. being the vehicle. Um, so yeah, starting with a little bit about herself, here is Sarah Poole. Oh gosh. Okay. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> so Sarah, I think we met, oh gosh, we met a handful of years ago. I think it was even before I joined SUNY Dalhi. So I've only been an instructor at SUNY Dalhi for three years um, in my previous life. I worked in the construction industry in the field. Um, so I went to college at Syracuse University for engineering. And I decided while I was taking engineering that I wanted a minor because, you know, who doesn't? Um, And so I decided I had done uh, Habitat for Humanity when I was in high school. So I had actually joined it because I wanted it to look good on my resume to go to college. I didn't know much about building. Um, But I remember when I went to this house and it was in a a suburb near where I grew up and it wasn't a really nice neighborhood. My mom would drop me off with like a lunch pail on Saturday. So like first thing in the morning and I'd be there all day with these guys working. And I remember the guy wanted me to do um, cove cove molding, which you have to cut with a, uh, with a handsaw, like back cut and make this like beautiful artistic arch in order to be able to get the pieces to fit together in the corner of a room. And I thought it was like the coolest thing in the entire world. Like I had this specific memory of that So when I was going to school at um, SU at Syracuse, there's a sister school there, SUNY ESF. Now I'm not from upstate New York originally. I'm not from New York originally. I'm from Massachusetts. So for me, I didn't even know about the SUNYs. And so I started the construction management program at SUNY ESF as a minor. Um, And I thought it was just really neat. Like we got to solve problems and see how things got built and how they came together. And it took my engineering appreciation to the next level you know engineering was very heavy in the design side and with um with with construction management i got to think about how those pieces and parts came together so when it came time to apply for jobs i you know went to the career fair shook a bunch of hands got cards and i interviewed with engineering and construction companies and ultimately i didn't end up liking any of the engineering positions that were offered to me they didn't seem to be challenging in the way that i felt that i wanted to be challenged Um, But I interviewed with a couple of construction companies, uh, one of which was a company called McCarthy Building Companies, huge company in the Midwest, um, and they offered me a job out of college. And I was just incredibly blown away. um, And they moved me to St. Louis. They actually paid to move me as like a 22-year-old to St. Louis, Missouri. Um, They helped me. They flew me out to look for housing. Um, This was back in 2007. Uh, They flew me out to look for housing, and they just... They treated me like royalty, you know, and I'm 22. I just graduated. I'm like, Whoa, this is really cool. So I think this is like this awesome opportunity. I go out to St. Louis. I'm in my apartment. I'm like, this is so cool. I'm ready to work. And I realized that I know nobody in St. Louis, Missouri, nobody in the Midwest at all, um, knew very little about it. And so I ended up really just immersing myself in my work um, and loving what I did in the field and learning as much as I could. Um, I was on a multimillion dollar casino and hotel project, which was incredible. Uh, just, you know, one of those job site trailer, like everything tied together, like 300 people on site a day, just a big, big introduction to construction, which was so cool. Oh. Um, so that wow. had me hooked pretty much. So <laughs> I came down to, I did realize, however, that I'm a very social person. I'll probably talk too much during this interview. Um, and that uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I realized my best socialization at that point was going to work, which like, you know, ends up being like you need a better balance. So I got a cat. So if you move somewhere, <laughs> get a cat. Um, yeah. And then from there, it my career just kind of took me uh, where it took me. I ended up getting moved through that same company to upstate New York, which is how I wound up here back in 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, I fought it off for a few years and moved myself to Chicago. Cause I was like, I'm not ready to be here yet. And then a boy brought me back because that's what happens sometimes, but it worked out uh, for the best. And I've been back in upstate New York since 2012. And I worked my way up from being a project engineer uh, which does a little bit more of the paperwork and the office side to being an assistant project manager and then a project manager on construction sites. So I wound up in Delhi because I was the project manager for the Delhi Nursing Home, which is right down the road. And that building was abandoned <laughs> when we got in there and we brought it back to life, which Is like the coolest thing about construction is you take something that's either non-existent, doesn't even exist, brand new construction, or you take something that's really just in need of some love and TLC, like the house I'm sitting in right now, and you can see is a construction project behind me. And you can bring it back to either its original glory or its new purpose. And seeing that happen is something that just gave me such a passion for construction all these years. And I just love it. And I love talking about it. (laughs) And my students get sick of hearing about it, but it's just, it just sparks so much enthusiasm in me. And I can't talk enough about how incredible it is to be able to be involved with seeing such drastic change right in front of your eyes, like every single day and being part of that team that gets it done.
0: What specifically did you do at that job? Like what was your role? um, Maybe working on the casino project My big role there was documentation. So
1: they had tons and tons of drawings everywhere that all needed to be kind of consolidated and updated, which is one of the biggest things, one of the biggest struggles in our industry is keeping drawings current and updated, Mm -hmm. sure, as it is everywhere, engineering and so what my role was there was to, I'm very detail oriented. One of the awesome things I think about being a woman in a technical field is like we're super detail oriented normally. And so they basically said, here, this is a disaster. It hasn't been updated for however long you need to tackle it. So I fully immersed myself in just making sure I had everything accounted for um, and keeping okay. detailed list of how that would go and making sure everything was as current as possible while continuing to like learn the lingo, figure out the field um, and really work through some of those just growth things by diving into construction drawings, which is the best way to do it when you're hands-on with it and can take it and go out in the field and figure out what's getting built based on what you're supposed to be seeing.
2: So Sarah, how did you transition from bug collection to construction though? <laughs> you go to school for like that engineering program and mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's,
1: that's an interesting question. Yes. Bug collection to construction. Similar. Um, so my, my dad is, he was a Marine biologist and also kind of like a pseudo engineer. So I grew up when I'd go to my dad's work, I started when I was young, I would color any of the blueprints he had. He'd be like, here, work on this. And I'd like color it in and make it look all pretty. And then as I got older, he started kind of using me as like a junior drafts person. So I would like sit now, this is back in the day before you had it on a computer. (laughs) Old. So I would sit Mm -hmm. and hand draw it. And then there's actually this like ammonia process where you can like copy them over. And like I'd run these prints and like that was really cool. So I got involved with drafting through him. I'm an only child. I'm my father's daughter. And he treated me like a tomboy, like a boy. The entire time I was like, you want to go play hockey? Like, let's go play hockey. It was never. He never was like, "Oh, you can't do that because you know you're a girl." So I think a lot of the credit has to be given to him for being like, "Sure, why not? Of course you could do this. Of course mm-hmm. you could go into science. Of course you can do drafting. You can do engineering." Um, and he really opened my eyes to that world, uh, I think. And he never—it never occurred to me, to be entirely honest, that that wasn't normal. Sure. That that maybe wasn't a gender set
2: thing. I don't know if this is like too deep, too quickly, but now as a grown-up, do you feel like that was an overall positive experience being um, raised and treated that way? Or do you feel like maybe it had some challenges in as you transitioned into adulthood? Or Ooh, That's a good question. So I would say from a fashion standpoint, it had some challenges. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good. And- <laughs>
1: Right. Um, I'm not really great at knowing what to wear. I've gotten a little bit better from working in professional office settings. I'm like, okay, like if you put me in business casual, like I can mostly figure it out. If you try to like, try to tell me to pick an outfit for Friday night, we're going somewhere nice. I'm pretty, I'm pretty lost. And I, I love that. So when I found my, I started to learn about puberty as a kid. I went to my mom and I was in tears and she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, mom, what if I can't climb trees when I get boobs? (laughs) (laughs)
2: top of the priority list right there exactly that
1: was the concern i can tell you luckily god took care of me no boobs to be seen so it was not a problem like he was like it's fine i got you you keep climbing trees don't worry
0: (laughs) but that's funny that's that's an interesting thing to like think of as a kid
2: yeah you mentioned um when you went to missouri that you were on a multi-million dollar casino project and I know that you mentioned uh did you say a hospital or a nursing home here in Delphi? Nursing home. Mm -hmm. So but is that your initial construction experience in New York though? What brought you to New York? Was that it?
1: Um gosh so I got relocated for work after this this company this big company the way that they deal with employees, the way they kind of move employees is they put you on a job and you might be there for a certain number of years and they relocate you. Like they take such good care of you to make that a less painful process, but essentially they're ripping you out of the ground and moving you every couple of years. Um, And so when they moved me to St. Louis, it was the end of the construction project. So I only spent six months in St. Louis. And then I, and then they said, Oh, well, we have this job in Cooperstown, New York. And I was like, I just came from upstate New York. Like, what do you mean? I said, oh, sure. So I found a place and they moved me to work actually at at, uh, Bassett Hospital in Cooperstown, New York. Uh, I was doing some upgrades in that facility with a a construction team that had been on site for a few years. So they moved me to upstate New York and I ended up buying or renting a place in Oneonta. And I met a group of friends, including a guy. Um, And so that was what initially brought me up here was work. And then I kept getting these phone calls from McCarthy, who's an amazing company, but the way that they work is like, they try to take their assets, their people, and and place them on projects where they're going to be best utilized. And that can be across the country. So I'd get phone calls that were like, what do you think about, you know, uh, Boise, Idaho? And I'd be like, "Uh, I don't, I don't know anything about Boise. I'd be like, okay, we'll call you back. And then it'd be like a click and nothing for like <laughs> weeks. So I I had I was having a hard time with that. Um, I'd finally kind of settled in Oneonta and made some friends. And so I was having a hard time with that kind of uncertainty. So in order to combat that and a really great showing of being 23 years old, I decided that I was going to quit that job and move myself to Chicago because then I would take control of it, <laughs> really relocate and show them. Um, and I actually went to work for an engineering firm in Chicago. So I did work uh, Sergeant Lundy, who's a large power plant firm. Um, they do all sorts of different power plants across the United States. And I did scheduling and information management for them. So budgeting, scheduling, and coordinating and organizing engineers, which if, if you've had to do that, you understand it's a very tricky path. Engineers mm-hmm. do not like to be pinned down to dates. And so I learned a lot about how to work with other people um, who don't, who don't want to be organized and structured uh, and try to pin them down. Um, and then to your point, Sarah, how did I get back to upstate New York? Uh, I came back in 2012. So it had been three years that I'd done long distance with this boyfriend. And I was like, all right, you know, it's, it's time. Um, and I started working for a general contractor out of Binghamton, New York. Uh, so for our list, the listeners who may not know, a general contractor is um, a high-risk construction person. Uh, so when I say high risk, I mean, you are responsible for the schedule, the budget, the timeliness, the materials for the project. So with a general contractor, they will bid a project. Uh, for example, let's say at SUNY Delhi, there's some work being done at Evenden Tower. A price was submitted by a contractor to do that work. They said, this is how much it's going to take. And then they're held to that for the duration of the project. So uh, you have to make sure you're right when you get it and you have to manage it to that budget. And they sent me to, let's see, Oswego, SUNY Binghamton. I worked in Geneseo for a year and a half, building a new turf stadium, as well as renovating their science building up there, which is really cool. Geneseo is a very cool community, but I was living out of town a lot of the time. Um, And and that was interesting. I mean, you're living in a hotel four days a week um, and you're pretty much by yourself, which is a little bit of a lonely world, but you're consumed by work. And that's the awesome part of it because I did love working way too hard and I went for lots of bike rides. (laughs) Um, But I guess one of the things about being a female project manager, living on the road, a lot of the crews will go out and party and hang out and call each other for dinner. They don't call you. And that's nothing personal. You can't take it personally. Um, It's just some of it's a little bit of awkwardness. They don't want to spend too much time with you. Some of it's maybe their spouses at home who aren't comfortable with them going out to dinner with a, a female every single night. That's not them. You know, there's a, mm-hmm. there's some of that uncertainty when you're when you're working and operating in those roles. Um, yeah. And so that was that's a difficult thing to deal with. Um, but sometimes I think that there's just certain parts of the job that you have to be okay with, and some of the gender things that can be a little tricky. I don't know if if you ladies have experienced anything like that with coworkers and interactions.
2: Yeah, we talk about that. Actually, well, I wanted to caveat really quickly and say, Haley actually knows what Evenden Tower is now. A couple of weeks ago, she was here. And remember the tallest building in Delhi, I told you. (laughs) Yeah, so she got to see it while we were, I was showing her a tour of Delhi, which took about, you know, seven minutes. I loved Um, it. (laughs) I loved every minute of it.
0: It was cool to, it was nice to understand where the story Syrah tells me, I could put a place to the, to the thought or the, the, um, the explanation of the situation. So it was nice. It was good. Hopefully it was sunny
1: and not snowing.
2: Oh, of course it was cloudy girl. You know, it it was so gloomy, (sighs) but. And it was very cold and it (laughs) rained. Didn't it rain? And it rained. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, oh, but yeah, no, this is a, a topic that Haley and I talk about a lot that we mm-hmm. feel like, um, well, f- for my personal example, there was an intern who came and worked the same position and job as me, and I had been there longer than he had been, and he was only there for one summer, but by the time he left, he left with a lot more projects than I even got involved in at, at the time because there was a male engineer um, who took him under the wing, his wing, and you know, really brought him up and got him involved in stuff. And I didn't really have that experience. I didn't have the taking me under the wing experience and saying, like, here's all I know, and being mentored by an engineer in my company. Yeah, we
0: definitely talk about it when it comes to mentorship a lot. And just honestly, you know, your boss um or your supervisor or your relationship you have with your supervisor, you know, sometimes if it's not the same gender, then there can be, I guess I wouldn't say an awkwardness, but like there's, there's something missing. Like there's something that makes it difficult for you to maybe excel as you normally would if it, if you're, uh, was the same gender. So yeah, right. we do talk about that a lot. I do have
1: to say I've had some amazing male mentors. Mm. Um, so this is, it's really hit or miss, right? So, Sarah, it sounds like in your situation, it was like this guy was looking for a guy, a buddy, you know, like to train and and grow up with, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Um, and and that does happen, absolutely. But I will say, in the construction industry, you know, there were some female role models that I had the the pleasure of working with. Um, but for a lot, I did have a, a senior project manager or project manager who. I'd worked with for a bit or maybe had seen some of my work quality and was like, Hey, I'm going to mentor you. And they still do to this day. Even if I don't work with them, even if I don't see them in the industry, they still treat me as an equal and, and reach out all the time. Like, how are you doing? Like, how are things Mm -hmm. going? Um, And I'm so appreciative for that, but that is a difficult thing to, to find sometimes. And some of it, some of it means you have to be like one of the boys, but it shouldn't ever bar anybody or give anybody concern about having to be one of the, one of the boys. And that was something I guess I've struggled with in the past and have been able to be a lot more comfortable with at SUNY Delhi. Like I'm comfortable wearing, I don't wear makeup, but wearing jewelry and my hair down and looking like dressing feminine is okay at SUNY Delhi. My students still respect me. Thank goodness. But when I was in the field, I, I, I dressed like a 12 year old boy intentionally. Like, <laughs> let's just call it what it is. The pants were a size bigger. There was like a nice manly belt going on. I had like three layers of undershirts. That's an exaggeration, but I had like multiple layers that I would put on. My hair was always pulled back. Never any makeup, like no way, because I was trying to divert attention from myself always like, don't look right. at me as a female. And so to do that, I wore this like this, this cape, um, this like thing. It was always the polo shirts and like a sweatshirt (laughs) or like it was never, it was never feminine. It was always very muted um, in an attempt to kind of hide myself, Um, which is weird. Like looking back, I didn't realize that until I got to Delhi and I kind of could be like bubbly and more like me. I had to put on a certain persona a little bit in the field.
2: Do you feel like it was just to fit in and make things a little bit easier on yourself for fitting in? Or do you feel like a part of that was you feeling like you had to protect yourself as well?
1: That's a great question. So protect yourself implies that I felt that I was in danger and I never felt um, in danger or threatened on the job sites I was in. Mm-hmm. But again, I was a I was in the industry, you know, I was on site, still on site sometimes from 22 to 33, about right. I'm a relatively young female and I'm, I'm kind of a small little person. I'm like five foot four. So, like, you, you I stand out on a job site, for lack of a better term. Um, and so, yes, I felt that protection in a way that I didn't want to receive unnecessary attention. Yeah, That was not based on my work that I, and the job that I was there to do. I didn't want to receive attention because of what I looked like.
0: How do you think that we could, or how do you think society could um, kind of like change that mindset? Like, do you think it's more like maybe specifically in construction that you felt like, you know, you needed to do that to kind of like fit in with the vibe and how do you think we can either, boost women's confidence to like make sure that they feel comfortable that they almost like don't need to to dress a different way to fit in or how do we I guess this is kind of like a long run on question but like also change the like a a man's perspective to maybe a common woman would dress you know I don't want to like go into stereotypes like isn't like that out of the ordinary to work in construction
1: It's something that I've thought a lot about and I don't have the right answer. So since joining SUNY Delhi, I haven't worked in the industry. And that's not because I don't want to go back. I I love the construction industry. I am like, I get itching to go back on a job site. Like I want to go back. And I wonder if now that I'm, if now that I've been able to step back and kind of look at it in hindsight's perspective, if I would be able to be more myself on a job site. It may have been a confidence thing for me as well as a young female, that I was building my own barrier without anybody really telling me to or, or me feeling a certain way. Um, I've learned a lot actually in being able to step back and seeing some of the the maturity issues that maybe I had and some of the, the insecurities that I had being on site now, uh, just being oh, even a couple years older, like five years older, um, has made a big Big difference on how I saw myself then versus looking at it in the in the rearview mirror. I think our world's changing too. So I will say that with the change in perspectives of kind of um, all genders, non-genders, whatever, you know, whatever you're doing, there's so much more acceptance amongst the people that are growing up in today's world, uh, the next generation that's coming up through college, through the industry, than maybe there was. But I think that some of those stereotypes and acceptable norms are being lowered anyways, just regardless by the younger generation and what they are totally comfortable and cool with. And like it's so much more fluid. And that's beautiful. I think that that's really nice that it's it's allowing anybody, no matter who they are, to feel like they can be themselves. I think that that's Mm -hmm. the really big push of the next generation is like you do you right. Like that's their whole mantra it's like, no matter what makes you different, that's the best part of you. So mm-hmm. as, as the industry ages and the new generation comes in, I think a lot of that's going to naturally change. Um, but the reason I got involved at SUNY Delhi is because I started to, I started to volunteer my time to go speak at these school events. I got involved with a woman who's amazing, who runs um, Oniana's work-based learning program, Um, this woman named Beth Spaulding, who's just incredible. And I was working with the superintendent over in Oneana. He's like, you have to meet this woman, Beth. I think you guys would like really click. And we went out for lunch one day and we did not stop talking for like two hours. It was one of those just perfect. Like it was, we were like soul sisters. It was beautiful. And so she asked me to come speak at their events, at their career days, because she's like, you know, it'd be great to have a woman in construction. And I realized like, that's what it's all about. Like And I started to really get passionate about that and talking about it and talking specifically to high schoolers and middle schoolers to be like, Hey, look at me. Like I did this. You can do this too. It's an option because I think you just don't realize it's an option maybe. Mm. And if we take that away and we just go, Hey, anything's an option. You can do whatever you want. Look at all these different genders and races and ethnicities and whatever it might be. We're doing everything. It doesn't matter who you are. Do you think this is cool? You should try it. I think that that was the big thing. And it became that I liked doing that more than like being on site. I was like, this is pretty cool. This job opportunity came up to teach at SUNY Delhi. And I said, well, I'll check it out because maybe this is the way that I can kind of spread my love of the industry and like, go put myself in these places and speak to people and have these conversations that make me uncomfortable. Like this podcast where I'm sweating,
2: and, <laughs> and share,
1: you know, but share and like spread the love about the fact that like, this is for everybody. Like you should love to do this. If it's something that you love to do and there's a, a spark and a passion for you, like don't let it hold you back,
0: like go out and get it.
2: Sarah, let me just comment on your sweating really quickly. <laughs> um, it a lot. <laughs> Out of
0: all the things you said, we we, we mostly want to focus in on, on the sweating. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, what I
2: wanted to say was from the very moment you introduced yourself, I thought. Wow, Sarah's been in all these different experiences and has been doing construction management, E-type things and engineering for so long, but something that you're obviously good at as well is speaking, clearly getting your point across and I think just capturing like the the yeah, I guess the message that you're trying to say. So Oh, I appreciate that. Right. Showing <laughs> we would not know, right, Hale?
0: <laughs> That's why yeah. I like Zoom. I can sit over here and sweat. <laughs> yeah. Same here. Yeah. I I was interested in um specifically like construction management and like construction projects. Do do most engineers and people working on construction projects do they stay in kind of like, oh, well, I'm really good at working on casinos or whatever. And so I'm going to do like a lot of casinos or do they, or are the the basics there at every job so that you could really do any, cause you talked about, you did um, a football, like a turf site and the casino thing. So I was wondering if, yeah, like. That's such a good question. Are the principles there at all those different places or. So
1: that's a great question, Haley. So the process is really all the same uh, as far as the organizational structure of how you execute a project. Um, And you want to make sure you have a pretty organized way that you attack things. But the great thing is that they're the great and kind of tough thing is that they're always different and they always have different challenges. Um, You really with construction, there's a variety, there's so much variety in the jobs that you can do. So there are the kind of jobs where you can, you know, build box stores. So you could build Lowe's or Walmarts or Home Depot's over and over and over again. And the footprint is going to be basically the same. But if you think about it, One could be located in Zell New York, and the other one could be located in Metropolitan New York City. And those have very different challenges as well. You're dealing Mm. with different local codes and all of these things. So there's no two projects that are ever the same, which is the best part about it. I mean, that's what I loved about it. Um, You're always learning something about a new product. You're always figuring out, you know, how pieces and parts go together, kind of like designing something new in engineering, which I'm sure you ladies can relate to. You have a problem in front of you, a challenge, and you have to figure out how to get it done. And that's that's the coolest part. I mean, I loved getting a new job. I still love getting a new job when they hand me a set of plans and I'm like, okay, (laughs) like what, what are we doing today? Right. And so I can just flip through it and like immerse myself. And I get like my pencils out. My students will know that I love highlighters. So I'll have like 12 highlighters and I'm like writing notes all over them and just trying to like absorb them. Like, I really just want to suck them all in and understand them. And that is like, it's like almost reading a good book It's, I can kind of equate it to that where you just get fully immersed in like this world that's going to become this building or this field. And it's going to have this life and you get to like start it. It's so cool.
2: (laughs) So you were in construction management, right? Not so much construction. So you didn't necessarily, okay.
1: So I do want to give a, that's actually a great point. So construction management is like one step removed from the trades, so we kind of get like some of the trades people are like, you guys just manage us. And I'm like, that's cool. Like I, my hand skills are not nearly as good as some of the amazing ladies that I work with or the amazing men I work with. Like they can, you know, they can build things and they have all these hand skills where my strengths have come in is being able to say, okay, I can see how this thing needs to be built. And I think all these pieces and parts need to happen. And I can help organize and lay that out to really have it help happen smoothly and if they need something, I know like a week ahead of time that they need a certain material. So I make sure it's there. Like mm. construction management is very much, it's like a, a problem solving puzzle is, is, you know, where you have to get, you know, what it, what it's supposed to look like. And you figure out the pieces, it's the people as well as the materials that you need to pull together to make that happen. And then when you get into challenges and problem solving, it's like, okay, well, who do I have to call? to figure out how to solve that problem. And it's like coordinating all these masses into streamlining a really beautiful, smooth project, which is not really a reality. None of them go smoothly because it's life, right? Like nothing goes the way you planned it, but that's, that's what it's all about is figuring out how to efficiently. So efficiency is like one of my favorite things, how to efficiently get things done and move a project forward by coordinating all these people and all these materials and parts and these drawings and putting it all together to make it make it a reality. But physically as construction managers or project managers, we don't physically install the work. We work with all the people that are going to do the installation. We have the morning meetings, we lay out the plan, we ask them the problems, we talk to them, we work with them, we help them coordinate with each other. That's really what our role is in a construction project. And I think a lot of people don't know that. They don't know what the definition of a construction manager is. Um, I've spoken at the local Dell High Middle School. And that's the first thing I always have to explain is like, you've probably never heard of a construction manager. And this is what we do. We're the person behind the scenes organizing all those, the plumbers, the electricians, the framers, the painters, the people putting up sheetrock, the people doing concrete. We're in the background going, okay, you all fit here. I call you there. This is how it's going to work. Um, So it's like massive problem solving.
2: (laughs) That actually, Sarah, I was thinking about it um, not very deeply when you were saying as a 22-year-old, you left school and then, you know, it's because it's kind of a more of a leadership role. And so now I'm thinking as a 22-year-old, how did you pull this off? Because yeah, it wasn't, not that it's not extremely difficult and involves super skills to like put concrete together I don't even know how you're supposed to say that but like you know do plumbing <laughs> and stuff like that but it, being in a leadership role of all of these men too at such a young age like what was that experience like
1: luckily they ease you into it right so um one of the earliest things of a challenge for a new engineer male or female going out into the field is how to handle safety issues So safety being one of those primary things that we're held to a certain standard, right? Like OSHA has all these regulations about what we're supposed to do, how high we're supposed to be on ladders, what we're supposed to wear. And it becomes everybody on the team's responsibility, even the 22-year-olds, as well as the 70-year-olds to enforce that upon whoever the age demographic is. So I got yelled at a lot. Um, (laughs) I I made a lot of dumb mistakes. um, And I did just like anybody did. I Waited in there. And I'd be like, you know, you gotta get off that ladder, sir. Like you're too high up and it's not tied off and he'd like, buzz off lady. <laughs> um, but they would say the same thing to, uh, to, well, I think they would say the same thing to a junior uh, male engineer, but it did get a little bit more pushback probably than some of the others. Um, but there's a confidence element in there, right? So you have to, be able to go out and speak up for what's right. Uh, and it's, it's hard to adjust to, especially if you're new to the field, don't really know how everything's working. You think you see something and should say something. Sometimes you're entirely wrong and you kind of have to be okay with just being like, knowing when to pick your battles um, and when to be like, okay, could you teach me more about that? Because clearly I don't understand what's going on. Um, one of the things I try to teach some of our male students now is like an ego check. Because and this is male and female, right? You go out and you think you know everything because you just went to college for this and you're like so smart, right? Yeah. You know everything, <laughs> and so you go out in the industry and you act like you know everything, and that's when you get knocked down a couple of pegs. Um, and some of our students are very self confident, um, and they go out and they think that they know everything. Um, <laughs> I try to prep them for like you know, <laughs> you may you may get uh, tossed around a little bit. You're still going to be the new guy, the young person on site, so just be aware of that. Um, and I try to give it to them a little bit in the classroom in a soft way as well. Um, mm-hmm. my, th- my favorite thing is when I can, I had some students who were building something in a classroom and they couldn't figure out like the angle of the roof pitch, which I said is not my hand scale strength, but problem solving wise, like I understand angles. So I was like, well, it's because you don't have this length, right? So therefore this one won't work. And why don't you just adjust that to be here? And I'm standing in a group of like eight men who've been working on this for like half an hour, eight students. And they're like, oh, Okay, and then you just walk. Out. I just walked out of the room, and I was like, I got out in the hall and I like danced. Just careful, like, of... yeah. <laughs> Nailed it, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> like that was. I still, I still get excited when I can show them up. I know that yeah. sounds silly, but you know, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. It. Turns out I still do know more than you. You could <laughs> learn something from me. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> we
2: love that little victories. Yes. It's All little, little little victories. Little victories. Maybe we should change the podcast name to little victories, Haley.
0: Yeah. Ooh,
2: I don't I hate it. Lashes. I don't hate <laughs> it.
0: You do? Oh, that <laughs> means do. that means so much. Cause sometimes we go back and forth and we're like, this is the, like, the stupidest Stupid. name ever. I like it because it's like feminine, but it's,
1: mm. it's, we're, we're doing such oh. like a, it's a feminine topic, but not really. And it's, it's technical. And I think that that's so cool because it's, It allows you to be a little bit girly, but it also, you know, doesn't devalue what you guys are doing, which is incredible, which is
2: talking to people about
1: women in the trades and women in the technical
2: fields. Way overkill this and say that, yeah, because eyelashes, right, they're associated with femininity and women, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. your eyelashes are so BA and they protect your eyes from all kinds of stuff. And so you need your eyelashes. So it's like, yeah, deep. There you go. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Snap for me. (laughs) So Sarah, this may be um, a little bit of a deep question, but it'd be fun to hear your answer. I think what is something people seem to misunderstand about you?
1: That is a very interesting question. I think that the primary thing that people seem to misunderstand about me And probably most women in the industry is that they think I have no knowledge of construction and what I'm doing. Mm. So I get that feeling a lot. Um, Typically in the industry, it would be maybe the first time I showed up to a meeting as the lead or the representative for my company, um, which my you know the companies I worked for were very comfortable sending me. As I mentioned, detail oriented, organized, professional. uh, So. They were always sending me to job site walkthroughs and to different kickoff meetings for projects. And I think that probably that's what was misinterpreted most is I would come and people would have this base understanding of what I would be able to speak to about the knowledge of the the project itself or also how we were going to execute it from a schedule, budget, et cetera standpoint. And I'm a, I'm a researcher. So before I go to any meeting, except for this one, <laughs> I like to have a nice long detailed list of you know every, all the questions I wanna ask, the things that might come up and a base understanding of, of what's going on. I don't like to be unprepared. Um, and so that, that benefited me extremely because I could go in knowing a good amount because I didn't walk in blind frequently. And so I think people were normally taken aback by my initial impression uh, at these things and said, okay, well, like she actually does kind of have her SHIT together. And so then the then moving forward, that would like raise the bar. Like I could almost, it was almost palpable in the room. Like you could feel people be like, oh. And that kind of changed the the way that they would communicate with me and the relationship we have moving forward.
2: Do you think this is because you are a woman or because you were young or some combination of both or neither
1: probably some combination of both and anybody that's met me um socially versus professionally i'm i'm pretty bubbly and silly <laughs> um which is not how i am professionally i'm i'm pretty put together and organized and mm-hmm. and so I, even if they'd seen me you know talking to a coworker and kind of goofing off and being uh, kind of a nerd, they probably wouldn't have expected, I guess, maybe my level of professionalism and preparedness. And so I think that that, I always felt like if I was prepared for the challenge at hand, then I could tackle anything. Um, Some of that was good and some of it was bad because I didn't do well if I wasn't prepared. I wasn't great at being, I'm still not great (laughs) on the fly. Um, I feel like if I'm not prepared, I panic. Um, And that's something that I've grown a little bit more comfortable with, especially in teaching, you can't be prepared for the questions that are going to fly at you and the different things that you don't know. We teach a lot of course content that's not necessarily my like bread and butter comfort zone. And that was always something I struggled with in the field. I felt like I should know everything and always have an answer. And one of my mentors on my review said, you know, you don't always need to have an answer and we know that you like to be prepared, but you should be comfortable saying, I don't know that I can get back to you. And sometimes that's a better answer which was one of the best lessons I got.
2: Yeah, we spent some time talking about that on um, I think our our previous podcast, or maybe by the time this podcast airs, it will be two podcasts ago. And just like mm-hmm. how, what are some good and bad ways to say? I don't know. So I think that's like probably really good advice that y- you received.
0: So our very last question, um, which we've been trying to do for the last couple of podcasts is super fun, super serious question. What would a world populated by clones of you look like? That'd be terrifying. What, what kind of construction that would you do? Yeah. What kind of construction would they do?
1: They they would do lots of buildings, but my my primary so um my boyfriend's kids like to ask what my superpower would be. And I'm very cool, so I say that my superpower would be efficiency. Okay, mm, so cool. <laughs> the ability to get a lot of stuff done in an efficient manner, like to get from point A to B, point B in the in the fastest time frame. Like efficiency is my thing. Really cool. I'm aware. So I think that the problem would be an overly streamlined, organiza- organized uh, community in which we just efficiently work through. Each piece in part, maybe we have a couple of nice checklists that we review daily about our practices and our daily habits. We would be like a small army of crazy, overly <laughs> caffeinated, driven clones that would want to work efficiently, take advantage of 24 hours a day. So we'd be exhausted a lot. Um, we would work very, very hard. Um, that's one of the best things about teaching for me is for 15 weeks, I can go like 999% and then they literally just cut me off and they go, okay go have a summer. We'll see you in the fall. And it's so nice for me to like not have as many white hairs as I do, um, <laughs> to have that forced break, because if you don't force me to take a break, I don't. So the clones of my world would probably die out of, of without, exhaustion a, summer
2: without, a, summer without a
1: summer vacation. Cause that's probably the route I was going. Unfortunately, Uh-oh. I didn't have very good work-life balance. And that actually, if effect- I affected my personal life, Um, And kind of, I had, I was married and it kind of erupted because I I couldn't, I mean, there was other things, but I literally, I just worked all the time. Like there was no balance. Um, And so teaching has been really amazing for me in that way, because my boyfriend has three kids. And so we can have summers together because he's also a teacher, super nerds. Um, And so that's been a really cool benefit is like, I get to be a real person who's not stressed out with work all the time. Um, And I like that person.
2: She's okay. (laughs) (laughs) have you ever read cheaper by the dozen no interesting I think if you if you're a reader I think you might enjoy this book because actually that book um so I like am also very passionate about efficiency and um that book I wouldn't say it was the cause of it but it was like you know when you just talk to someone who can relate to like your crazy thing that you do and so cheaper by the dozen i mean it turned into a movie with like one of the steves steve
0: i've seen martin. that movie steve yeah. martin i think is yeah
2: yep. yeah and i don't even know if i've even seen him um and i probably will not look at seeing them but the book is about oh what's his name his name is like frank something and he has 12 kids I think one of them ended up dying young so it was actually 11 kids but he worked for something that they described as motion study and so he literally had streamlined all these kids into like when you take a bath this is how long the shower needs to be on this is how like many towel dries it takes to be completely dry you don't need a waste there is no waste this is like what you eat for breakfast this is it was like I really encourage that you read it because I think you would be like it'd be like crack like in a book (laughs) you're like
1: (laughs) my heart is beating fast because that sounds like the like the best like that is what I've struggled with most with with having kids in my life it's like you can't control them they are not efficient
2: yeah at all
1: they, like they well, take a wiggly waggly path to anything and i'm like why can't you just sit down and do this like this is what needs to be done
2: so <laughs> well, that crazy frank inspire that you uh, yeah so because he had 11 of them and he was like wow yeah. these kids are in so much trouble
1: they have no idea
2: that's gonna be yeah. great now there's no excuse
0: <laughs> yeah
2: and actually yeah. sarah before we even like move on to our crazy answers to this question. Um, What I just realized when we're talking about your clones is like what contrasting passions you have because, and maybe they're not Mm. contrasting, but like you're like super nature girl, but then at the same time, you're like these man-made objects and, and construction sites. And I think that's like such an interesting mix of things to like. So do you have any feedback That's not really a question, but what do you think about that?
1: That is an interesting,
2: is it juxtaposition? Is that the right word? Yes. 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 I like love the built world
1: and the built environment and how it gets done, but I am totally the happiest when I'm out on top of a mountain with nothing where I can't see anything for miles and miles, except for trees and rocks and nature. Gosh, I'm just... I'm a complicated girl. I think is what it comes <laughs> down to, right? Had
2: you um, noticed that? Had you noticed like, wow, these are two completely opposite things that are my passions. I- I've had somebody pointed that out to me. I think it was one of my students
1: actually, who's like, you know, you you seem like you'd be really into sustainability, but you- mm. you're building, you know, you're doing all this stuff. And actually, my boyfriend's a nature lover too, so that that helps. And he's always like, you always want to like build stuff, <laughs> like, knock down trees. <laughs> Like just, it's just the reality of commerce, honey. Like it's just how things get done. Like, that's the efficiency in me. It's like, gotta
0: get it
2: yeah. done. Yeah. That's so funny. funny. Yeah. That just popped into my hand. So anyway, oh, cool. Haley, what's your, uh, I like to hear okay. your.
0: Things. Sure. Yeah. I was, so from Sarah's answer, I was kind of thinking like, I guess I really hadn't thought much about the question. So I was like, Oh, it'll probably just be like me, like running around doing random things all around. But I feel like now I got to start, I got to make it more efficient than that. Cause I don't want my society to die out. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, wow. s- but, but maybe what I would do is some kind of rotation of the Halley's of the world. And so yeah. like, instead of like a, a nine to five, you go there every day, maybe you You know, you get to do art for a week and then your next transition is like, okay, well, now you have to learn how to do construction management and do that
2: (laughs) because we need (laughs) building.
0: Yeah, it's like summer camp. And then maybe there's a sports one or a then there's like a math one. I don't know. Like it just rotates to every single thing like I like to do, but also we need to for society. And so like there's even a cooking one. I don't know. And so yeah, I just click all the things are coming. Yeah. I don't want to have a war. I want peace with our two nations. <laughs> I want peace. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. What about you, Sarah?
2: Oh, I'm. W- you and me. You're. We're really starting to creep me out because that is like exactly what I was going to say. So really, when, yeah. When. Okay. I didn't think, Haley and I do this dangerous thing where we ask questions that will be asked of us also and we don't think about them beforehand. So usually we're like, mm-hmm. but um, when you when you first asked the question to Sarah, Haley, I was thinking about the scene in SpongeBob where he um, is like brainwashed into just like the fine dining and breathing. And Sarah, I don't know if you're a SpongeBob watcher, but there's a scene where um, he kind of gets like, hypnotized if you will into into just doing restaurant related things and so when someone asks him his name uh he realizes that he like can't even remember his own name because it's not restaurant related and so the scene in the cartoon just pans to like these mini hymns like little clones of him in his own brain and they're like running around and they're like where's the name they're like opening drawers and things are on fire (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's one. I think anyone who's like watched spongebob like for any consistency mm-hmm. and, like that's probably a favorite scene um so anyway that was what came to my mind first just total chaos like anxious Syrah clones but then immediately after I I transitioned to what Haley said and I was like I would freaking do whatever I wanted like I would just send my clones to the nine to five so you know we'd have money to feed me and my clone buddies and then I would just yeah I'd probably just do whatever I wanted maybe I would I think I would look at it from more of a and maybe this is like A weird, like inhumane way to look at it, and morally questionable. But I would probably send them to multiple jobs so they could fund things. I could like take trips and go see whoever I wanted, and like, yes. Um, So I didn't really think about. So you're so you're like the superior clone, and like you're construction manage the clone manager. Oh, okay. So I was
0: thinking we're all like the one unit. Oh no way! How
2: can (laughs) I make this work for me? (laughs) That's what I would do. Wow. Yeah. The truth comes out. Right. <laughs> the truth comes out. <laughs> now we all know what I'm gonna do with my kids. So thank you so much, Sarah, for coming and answering uh our somewhat normal, somewhat crazy questions. We again <laughs> just so much props to you, Sarah, and like the influence that you've had on this podcast and the effect that you've had on this podcast already. And it's it's almost like surreal to have you on because like Haley and I, you've been kind of like the constant topic of conversation for two of us. So in a way it's like our celebrity, our Sarah's here. So that's oh my really my gosh. Cool. No, yeah. you know what?
1: Like I want to scream it from the rooftop. So like, tell me where else I can go <laughs> because like, it's so, it's just so refreshing and amazing to have these conversations. And I think specifically with, you know, you two are so relatable. Like when I listened to the podcast, I was like giggling for the first time. And I was like, this is awesome because you sit in a lot of these, you know, you listen to these podcasts and they're very formal and like, oh, you know, push the glass ceiling and we've got all these terms and stuff. And you guys are like, no, like let's be us. And let's just talk about the stuff that we love. And that's what it's all about. I really, I, I was joking before I came on here. I'm like, I'm a bad feminist. I don't know if they're going to like me.
0: <laughs> Sarah, I but I think you I don't know, I think you got like an accurate representation of it. Like I think at the end of the day, feminism is there's all of these different women in the world, and they're all having different like wants and needs. And and so feminism doesn't have to be women going into STEM. It can be, you know, women doing things that are were stereotypical for women to do or or just, I don't know, a a variety of things. I think, you know, I think you hit the nail on the head with like, feminism isn't like, you don't have to be a good feminist. Like feminism is just like loving women and like loving whatever they do. So I think you are definitely a good example of someone that, yeah, just is put in love into women and, and finding things that you're passionate in and making that, making that normal, like you being in the career that you are
2: is making that normalized and that's awesome and it's encouraging like like we i've said for the third time now it's like indirectly has affected me and Haley. Mm -hmm. and i can't even remember the last time i've seen you in person and you and Haley have never met already our lives are impacted by you Mm -hmm. thinking that you're like this unlikely candidate of a quote feminist you know you're already just being you has benefited us and lifted us up so obviously whatever you're doing is like the thing to do (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, and we didn't touch much on the story yeah we didn't touch much on the like the women in trades group but like
0: props to that too for getting involved in that um and I don't know if you wanted to like say anything small about that before we close um you can plug it (laughs) but I think I think that's so cool they that you are getting into the school in that kind of way as well
1: Well, so the, what we see, what females see in engineering, technical classes, as you look around, you're like, oh, it's just me. (laughs) Okay. Um, You know, or even in the workforce, sometimes you see that you look around and you say, it's just me. Um, And the idea behind the women in the trades thing was to kind of all the women in applied tech have very different skills and very different passions and they're all awesome. Um, And the kind of the idea was to be like, it's not just you. Like we're all in this together, whether I'm in electrical or I'm in construction, I'm in welding or I'm in mechatronics, it doesn't matter. Like we're all here, we're all kicking butt. Um, And sometimes it's nice to have somebody that you can just talk with with not feeling like you have your walls up ever. And just being like, look, you know, this is the reality of it. And I'm feeling what you're feeling. And yes, sometimes it stinks to feel like you're, you're the lone female. They're like, Oh, it's, it's the girl. Like I make that joke all the time. in the faculty, they're like, Oh, I'm like, Oh, the girl will take it. It's fine. Don't worry. You know? So it's, I just wanted to bring those people together. Um, in 2000 19, I think because of COVID, I'm like so confused. We did a couple board game nights, just like socialize, just to be like, Hey, you know, did you know that this other person on campus is in your major or is doing something similar? Maybe you guys haven't seen each other because you're different classes or in different majors. And I think it's made a couple pretty cool bonds. And then the nice thing is just, that's a good reason to socialize with, with women who maybe have similar struggles or similar passions, both one in the same like you love something and and you maybe feel unique in loving it and you're like wait am I making the right choice because there's not a lot of people like me who are doing this and so I'd like to think that coming together and being like yeah I love it too and that's really cool and like this is okay like we're all in this collectively kind of together is a big part of it and it can be kind of lonely like moving to St. Louis and having to get a cat like you go out there and you throw yourself into this thing. You're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to rock it. I'm tough. And I am tough. Um, But there's days where you're lonely Mm -hmm. and you feel alone. And it's nice to know that everybody else feels alone sometimes too. And that's okay. Um, And that's, that's what that whole group was all about. It's like just being able to hopefully, and we're trying to organically create those conversations and hopefully next year, it will become an official club. And we actually want to ultimately make it student run. So the, the dream is to um, to make it a student organization, a recognized student club at SUNY Val High and have us just be advisors, not really driving the ship. Um, myself and Maria Klemperer-Johnson, who's a, a carpentry instructor, we're kind of spearheading it, but we're hoping that when we gain some momentum, we can we can hand it off to the students because really that's where the, the passion And the, the movement and the motivation lies. And that's why I loved your podcast so much is that's, that's you guys like that, that ultimately to me is the definition of somebody else taking the ball and running with it, Um, from a, from a perspective of where you're coming from. And I think that's so awesome. That's, that's what we should be encouraging is, is blazing your own trail and telling your own story and showing yourself off in this, this great world we live in.
0: Wow. That's awesome. That's great. Well, thank you so much again, Sarah, yes. for coming. And thank you so much, Sarah, um, for coming on the podcast. We hope that you will promote yourself and, and this podcast as much as you, you know, helped us promote the other podcasts. Um, before I close out, out today, I just want to, Sarah, I just want to like say how, how proud I am of you for getting those scholarships um, on the on the podcast. Um, she mentioned it a little bit uh, or at the beginning. Um, but it really is an awesome achievement, and she, Sarah, is such an exemplary um, person at her school. And so I just wanted to to give Whoa. you an official. What is um, happening right now? <laughs> how the really? how the turntables? How the
2: turntables?
1: <laughs> um, but that's what it's all about. Yes. like us supporting each other and telling each other how yes. awesome we are <laughs> so I yes. agree Sarah you you are a, a force to be reckoned with you are a storm and mm. I think that that's awesome
2: she used your phrase to in, you I'm in that company I'm in that company so you guys yeah. are too. yes
0: but yeah but yes thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll. I guess we'll hope to see you next time anything else from you Sarah goodbye <laughs> <laughs> goodbye <laughs> Goodbye. Thank you so much, ladies, for having me. I really appreciate it. See
2: ya.